That was exactly what we had to do to get in my college fraternity. We had to cut a dove in half and a couple of other critters. And right? What college thing. was that? This was a Baptist college, and I never thought they would allow this, but they did. Welcome to Talkin' Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. Get her done. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life. Now let's join Brian for today's look at God's Word, followed by conversation and a little fun with Brian, Dan, and today's guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. Now, here's Brian. So what do you believe is necessary for you to be acceptable to God? It's hard to imagine a more important question, but it does get confusing. Every religion of the world has one thing in common. They all say people have to do something to be acceptable to God. And that makes sense to us, because that's how the world works. But Christianity reveals a different message that is graphically illustrated in our study of Genesis 15 today. God tells Abraham not to be afraid. As a matter of fact, this is the first time in the Bible we read these words, do not be afraid. So what was Abraham afraid of? Well, the chapter opens with the words, after these things. So after what things? Well, the things we studied in the previous episode. God used Abraham to rescue Lot and win a great victory over the four kings in the north. But now Abraham's status with the surrounding peoples has changed. He was a peaceful man living with his own people. Now he is a threat to the surrounding kings, a dangerous man, what they would have considered a warlord. How does Abraham know the kings in the north or other kings won't attack him or try to wipe him out? That's why he's afraid and why God promises to be his protector. Abraham, don't be afraid. I'll be your shield, God says to him. Obviously, Abraham can't experience the fulfillment of the promises God made to him if he's dead. If you remember, clear back when Abraham was in Ur of the Chaldeans, God promised Abraham and Sarah children, but now they are old and have no children. And Abraham asked God to explain. God explains to Abraham that they will have a son in their old age, just as promised, and through him the nations of the world will be blessed. Now here's the key moment in the story. The text says that Abraham believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. That word reckoned is an accounting term. The text states that Abraham believed God's promise, and God credited his belief to his account as righteousness. In other words, based on Abraham's belief, God declared him right in his presence, not based on his works, not based on any religious performance. God called Abraham righteous because by faith he believed God's promise. But Abraham, like all of us, still has his insecurities. I mean, what if he blows it? What if he messes up again? Then what? So God responds. He orders Abraham to gather a heifer, a goat, a ram, a pigeon, and a turtle dove. At this point, Abraham knew what to do. In the ancient Near East, two parties would enter into an agreement when they cut a covenant. These five animals would be cut in half, and the parts would be laid opposite one another on opposing slopes with a trough or a valley in between. 
the greater power would remove his sandals and pass through the ankle-deep blood first. The person passing through the blood was saying that if he failed to keep the agreed-upon covenant, this is what you may do to me. The lesser power would then do the same thing. This was called cutting a covenant. Abraham was terrified at the thought that he would have to shed his blood for his failure to keep the covenant with God, knowing he surely would blow it at some time. But unexpectedly, only God passed through the blood, indicating that if God or Abraham failed to keep the covenant, God would shed his blood to make it right. Of course, we understand this was about far more than just Abraham. We know from Genesis 3.15 that God promised the seed of a woman, a human, would come to bring life back out of death. By now in Genesis 15, we know that the seed of a woman would actually be God in human flesh who would shed his blood for sin. For hundreds of years, this promise was pictured again and again through animal sacrifices in the temple as a reminder that God promised that he himself would one day take on human flesh and shed his blood because of our inability to keep the covenant. That's why John the Baptist introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was the promised sacrificial Lamb. We are told in the New Testament that Abraham wasn't saved, meaning declared righteous, because of religious activity or good works. He was saved because he believed God's promise. He believed and God credited to him as righteousness. This is the core message of the Bible. No one is saved by good works or religious activity. We are saved by believing God shed his blood to pay for our sin. He did the work and we believe. This is how God kept his promise to bless the nations through Abraham. A descendant of Abraham would be the savior of the world. What is necessary to be acceptable to God? To believe in Jesus by faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So let's bring in Dan and Nat and talk about this. So guys, help our listeners understand the difference between religion and what it is that Jesus offers us. I thought that's why you're here to help us understand, right? <laughs> this is a, I mean, it's a quiz. This is quiz day. Oh, good. I will say it's really uncanny how that was exactly what we had to do to get in my college fraternity. We had to cut a dove in half. <laughs> it wasn't and cutting the cheese. A couple of other critters. And right. What college thing, was that? Passing through blood. The whole deal. It was crazy. Cut a llama. <laughs> Hell, it was cut a llama. <laughs> cut up. This was a Baptist college, and I never thought they would allow this, but mm. they did. It was big. That's big. Unbelievable. Town. I have no idea what that means. Yeah, you know, this is this is one of the greatest <laughs> challenges in communicating the gospel because it goes against what we experience every day. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we live in a performance based system and economy. I mean, the workplace, you're always trying to show how valuable you are. Look how much I've done. I didn't screw up this. I raised profits here. Family scenarios, you come home for Christmas break or you come to a funeral, whatever it is, what do you do now? Well, what what have you accomplished? What's your well, well, what about your kids? What are your kids doing? You're always comparing and trying to one-up each other. 
And then you think about the majority of the religions out there. It's all about what you can do. So this is really quite scandalous, and it goes against everything we know and what we experience on a daily basis. It's really hard to, one, grasp, but second, to adopt wholly. I don't know what, what, you, what your thoughts are, Dan. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> Why would today be any different than uh, yesterday? Just completely sleepy. No, yeah. no. I, my whole. Uh, I, here's the thing. I'm. How do we tell people it's not about religion? Hmm. When you when you look at the teachings and the words of Jesus, it's from saved to unsaved. That's what it's about. It's not anything else. You're hmm. either saved or you're not saved. And when you follow Jesus and you read what Jesus says and you try to be more like Jesus, then you start to get sanctified from inside and you start to understand, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. This mm. isn't right. Jesus will touch your heart and he'll tell you, you know, what you're doing is wrong. Right. This lifestyle is wrong. The way you're acting is wrong. The way, and, and like Brian says, it, wasn't, it won't happen overnight. It comes with a study and a fervent wanting mm. to know the teachings. Right. And I just wish that people would throw out the religion and throw out the, I got to do this and I got to go here and I got to make sure every night I do this and just have just have that relationship with Jesus like he's your friend you know you're going to make mistakes you're going to you know that is my hope that people get rid of the religion and start to really examine what Jesus is all about the whole old testament what we're talking about now completely is pointing to a coming savior and people don't understand these animal sacrifices, and they think to buy what is all this animal sacrifice? But when you dig into it, and you really want to understand the Bible, it's like Brian said, you understand that animal sacrifices were used to let you know that Jesus is going to take the place of the sac. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it all points to Jesus Christ, and I'll shut up now. No. But that's that's my that's my what I'm at talking about yeah. <laughs> you know one of the i mean as no, a lay person you know, you're I, good and you're good and you're right one of the things that's helpful in the new testament is two really important passages galatians 3 and romans 4 mm-hmm. both point to this passage and the statement abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness saying that that was pointing to jesus and salvation by mm-hmm. by grace through faith so even the New Testament confirms this is correct. That's what the story has been about all the way through. So how would you respond to someone who is saved? They're listening to this and going, like, I get it. I, I'm saved by grace, but shouldn't I just do a little bit more to be saved? Yeah, ex- extra credit. Yeah, it's an extra credit, right? Absolutely. So, you know, 101%. Paul, Paul talks about it in Galatians 3. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, that's only about 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, and within 20 years, the gospel was already being corrupted Mm -hmm. by this idea that I can contribute in some way. So when Paul's talking about it, he says, you foolish Galatians, the the Greek is really strong. It could be translated, you stupid Galatians, it's that strong. I like Paul. That what started on the basis of the Spirit of God, what would make you think you can finish it in the flesh, mm-hmm. which is by works, by legalism, by any attempts to add to what Jesus has done. He even goes so far as to get a little sarcastic and say, you must 
be filled with some sort, or you must have experienced like a spell. Someone bewitched you mm-hmm. to be thinking so foolishly. Mm-hmm. So 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, people were already back to thinking, I can finish this, I can complete it, I can make it better, I can get some extra credit. And what Paul ends up saying is if you add one work to what Jesus did on the cross, it ceases to be grace. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's either all Jesus or it's not. And he says in Galatians, if it's not Jesus, you can't cherry pick from the law. You have to keep it all perfectly Mm -hmm. or you're in big trouble or you're condemned. So what about uh, – because I think Dan hit it right on the head. I mean there is there is sanctification though in the life of a Christian, right? There is transformation. One church in Texas, their big thing is come as you are but don't stay that way. I mean Ephesians 2 talks about this idea that we are saved by grace through faith for good works so that we might walk in them. So there is some type of outflow. H- how do those two relate? Yeah, great question. So the difference is am I doing these things – to merit some sort of favor with God, or do I believe Jesus did it all, and this is just the outflow of my new life in Christ? Mm. Those are two completely different motivations. Well, it's almost obligation versus love, right? Oh, that's good. I mean, to, so today I actually taught chapel <laughs> at our kids' school, and my, I, I always feel bad when my kids are present in the in the audience because they're great examples, and I've I use it sparingly. But I, I grabbed my son. I said, here, stand up here. And I, and I said, give me a hug. But I grabbed his arms, and I made him hug me. And I go, he's obeying me. He's doing what I've asked him to do. But it's out of obligation. It does nothing for me. But if instead he voluntarily stands up and comes and gives me a hug and embraces me, changes everything for him and for me. That's the difference, right? It's because we love God. We're thankful to God for saving us. Yeah. Not so I get an extra scoop of ice cream. Right. Right? That, I mean, that's Yeah, and in one scenario, we're terrified of God. Right. So we're yeah. duty-bound to keep God from clobbering us. Right. But a true understanding of God's grace is it's a love relationship. You know, I don't love my wife because I have to. Mm-hmm. I love my wife because I love my wife. Mm-hmm. And that... That's a different motivation for why I do what I do. Hmm. Right. Well, I'm just trying to get a question so that I can get a, oh, that's good from Brian. I haven't got an, oh, that's good yet. You get, you get all the, oh, that's well, good. Oh, that's, that's good, good that you want to, oh, that's good. <laughs> well, I, let, let me ask you this for people that may be listening for the first time or whatever when Abraham's talking to God. Does he hear a voice? Is it just in his head or does he see him? I don't know that we know that. You know, coming up here, he's going to have God join him for dinner. Right. It's one of the amazing texts in Genesis 17. But in this one, you know, he has a vision. And so God comes to him in a vision. Right. And all that stuff's pretty foreign to us today. But there's a lot of communication in the Old Testament that's a little hard to discern exactly how this happened. Hmm. I'm glad he asked you that question. Well, for people that are just new believers or people that are investigating Christianity, it's like, how will we know in today's times, because he's not appearing, his face isn't appearing to us, his voice isn't rumbling over the prairie, how can we tell people to understand his voice? Because we always say, we'll just follow his voice and follow. How, how do they know what his voice is? 
Well, I think number one would be the scripture. That should have got. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Oh, that is. That's <laughs> Man, an excellent. That's a really question. Good question. That's the best question of the day. <laughs> and I think it's from the scripture. God's given us His Word, and that's where it starts. And and I realize people can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. Right. But just like science, if you follow certain principles, there are principles of interpretation. So you find somebody you trust that can help you with that. But we're not really left to grope around in the darkness trying to figure it out. Right. We've got a Bible, and we can open it and read it. And God wants to be known and known correctly. So he's part of that process. Well, for people that are listening, I'd like to ask you that question. You just, let me say, as a believer, as somebody that's trying to do better and get sanctified, and you know. <laughs> you just know. I, I can't explain it, but when he's talking to you and he's telling you things, you just know. And I can't explain how you would know, but let's just put it this way. When you study and you earnestly want to believe and you really want to learn things, you'll know. Hmm. Certainly. And as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit has come to lead you into truth. Mm. So I do think you have a supernatural presence that helps you discern what's true and what's not true. Absolutely. And if you don't know, call Nat. Yeah. 1-800. At the end of the day, what I think we all want, I mean, when I look across this room, I've known these guys for some time. And what's neat is God's not finished with us yet. He loves us as we are. He meets us in our brokenness and in our mess, and he saves us despite of ourselves. And thank thank God, by his grace, he transforms us day by day. So no matter where you're at today, no matter what you've done, how much you feel like you screwed up, just know that God sent his son to save you. Nothing you can do, but embrace that grace, rest in his grace, and allow him to do the rest of the work. And when you do that, it's freeing. Isn't that right, guys? Absolutely. If you want, listen, if you want hope, and you want a little less anxiety and 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 uh, stress in your life, cut out some of the religion and mm-hmm. add a lot more Jesus to it, and uh, you'll start to discover a freeness that you've never felt. Today's Talk and Truth is powered by GoTandem, the free spiritual fitness app. Download GoTandem today and get spiritually fit.